Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Format Podcast. Appreciate you stopping in to take a watch or a listen, depending on how you're accessing the pod, all right? We definitely have some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, joining us is going to be Brian Smith, uh, writer and reporter for Sports Illustrated, Irish Breakdown, All Clemson, All Gators, All LSU, and other sites, all right? And he's going to give us his thoughts and the breakdown on the uh, college championship uh, games the conference championship football games tomorrow. Well, I guess uh, depending on when you're listening to this pod, it could be today, tomorrow, yesterday, whatever. But um, as time of recording, it's going to be tomorrow. So he's going to give us his thoughts on that, break down some key matchups and some really good stuff. All right. So uh, before we get to that, let's knock out the particulars. First of all, thanks for checking out the show. You can find me in a lot of places, sharing my thoughts, mostly on the NFL, NBA and college football. I'm on Twitter, and uh, that's at Bruce F.A. Hope. That's at Bruce F.A. Hope if you're on social media. I'm also on Instagram, at The Format Podcast. That's at The Format Podcast. And, of course, you can email the show at theformatpodcast at outlook.com. You can tell me you love the show, tell me you hate the show, tell me you agree with me, or just tell me I'm an idiot. Just tell me something. You know why? It lets me know you're listening. We can debate it. We can talk about it. What have you? It's all good. I just love the interaction no matter what you do. All right. You can also suggest topics or segments for the show that maybe you'd like me to get to on the next episode. Also, I've introduced a new segment called Mailbag, and you can send me your questions or thoughts directly. If you do that on social media, Twitter and IG, just give me your questions or your statements, comments, whatever, with the hashtag mailbag. That's hashtag mailbag. If you want to submit those via email, you can just put mailbag in all caps in the subject line. I'd love to hear from you, and um, I answer your questions or comments directly on the next episode. So get those in for me, and uh, we'll definitely get the mailbag segment going, all right? If you're watching on YouTube, just uh, head over to YouTube. First of all, thank you for that. Um, if you're looking for the show on YouTube, head over to YouTube, type in The Format Podcast. It should be just about maybe the fourth or fifth result that comes up, but we'll be right there, okay? Um, once you do uh, bring up the show, make sure you click the subscribe button in the lower right corner of your screen and click that bell so that you're notified whenever a new episode comes out and you're always aware of when we bring you that new content content, excuse me. Um, if you are prefer the audio, the, just the audio, the podcast version of the show, that's fine. We're everywhere you get your podcasts. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, CastBox, whatever it is, you can find it. Just type in the format podcast. We'll come right up. All right. And while mentioning that, head on over to iTunes for me and give me that five-star rating. One, two, three, four, five, five. Give me that five-star rating. You wouldn't believe how much it helps. It helps us rise up in the rankings and continue to bring you that great content. As my main man, G. Moody, says, the content to keep you content. I know he probably trademarked that. I didn't steal it, but it's a great line. Uh, shout out, G. Moody. Anyway, um, that's about it. And uh, so get ready. We've got some really good college football talk today. Sit back, relax, and listen up to episode 85 of The Format. Joining us on the Format Podcast to discuss college football's championship weekend is Brian Smith, a writer and reporter for uh, Sports Illustrated, operated 
all Clemson and all Gators to uh, talk the ACC title game between Notre Dame and Clemson, round two, a SEC title game between Alabama and Florida, and, um, uh, you know, everything else. So, uh, Brian, welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. I've actually moved around on a lot of sites, uh, LSU, Florida, Notre Dame. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. But, there you uh, go. These are great. These are great games, man. This is why we watch the games right yes, here. Sir. This so, let's get right to it. First thing I want to talk about is um, the game that's probably drawing the least attention and is probably the one that's uh, least difficult to identify how it's going to go. And that's going to be Big Ten championship game tomorrow at noon, Northwestern and Ohio State. Now, I don't have an issue with a lot of people do. I don't have an issue with the Big Ten changing the rules so that Ohio State can participate in the title game with less than six games. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. Ohio State's clearly the cream of the conference and one of the four best teams in America, in my opinion. My biggest issue here is there's a lot of people complaining, number one, that the Big Ten changed the rule to facilitate that, and number two, that Ohio State will likely make the playoff with only six games. Stop whining, people. The thing is this. The, the, the college football playoff committee, by design, has not laid out any specified or specific criteria for what gets you into the playoff and what does not. And the reason I believe that they haven't is so that their feet can't be held to the fire when they make stupid decisions or decisions that don't line up with that criteria. So with that being said, why, Brian, is everyone complaining about Ohio State likely getting in with only six games? Well, I think a lot of things. Number one, Ohio State's successful, and people just don't like them. <laughs> That's just not going to change. That's number one. Well, let's be honest. Go to any message board you like, mm -hmm. whatever network, there's one or two teams on that message board. You say the coach's name, the fan base, and it's just, boom, there's 50 posts. You'll see 50 posts. If it's negative, you'll see three mm -hmm. posts or something. You know what I mean? That's just how people are, politics, sports, family, whatever. Negative draws – that in. Secondly, and this is my only issue with Ohio State, the SEC, Notre Dame, Clemson, these other teams, you risk every time you play injury. Mm. And that's the one big thing. And I, you know, I don't want anybody to be hurt, but Ohio State's played five. That's five yeah, more that's times. Good. Justin Fields didn't have to play five more times. So let's be honest. If Justin mm -hmm. got hurt in the game, any of them, or if he gets hurt in the game against Northwestern, they're not beating anybody. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works. Right. So Ian Book at Notre Dame, et cetera, Mac Jones at Alabama, that's my only issue. But the other problem is who's there is no fifth or sixth. The team drop-off is pretty considerable, and we'll get into that in a moment. But who else are you going to take? So I, I'm talking against myself, but as much as I don't like it, I also understand it because, like you said, they're one of the four best teams from a physical standpoint. Right. Not debating it. Not debating it. Right. And, and that's kind of my thing is so many people who are they're fine with the four game playoff, don't want to expand it. And they're fine with it basically being a power five invitational, blah, blah, blah. That's that's another soapbox I can get on. But Absolutely. If, if you have no issue with the, the committee picking the quote unquote four best teams, then you should have no issue with Ohio State being in there because they are without a doubt one of those teams. Again, it just comes back to bias. I, I look at it from the perspective of this is a very odd year, if nothing else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was no way for this to work out evenly. There was no chance of that anywhere. And I think the Big Ten screwed up. I know a lot of people think that as well. And I think that's probably the other reason that people don't want to see Ohio State or any Big Ten school, for that matter, get mm -hmm. in is because the Big Ten started to fight. Hey, let's not play. And – now, obviously, everybody did. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of factors involved. I'm just going to watch the games and enjoy them. Okay, so I think we kind of both are on the same page with who's going to be the Big Ten champion. But you still got to play the games. Any chance Northwestern does the unthinkable here tomorrow? The only thing is, and, and Urban Meyer touched on this on Fox, Northwestern is completely out-talented. I mean, it's not even – it's just apples to oranges. Mm -hmm. But their defense, the way they're set up just naturally in the scheme they run, mm -hmm. it's kind of an old-school Penn State scheme. <laughs> Everything stays in front, cover three, mm -hmm. cover four, whatever. And I don't know what he teaches, especially considering the level of an athlete or not. 
at Northwestern compared to some of the other programs we're going to discuss today, they mm-hmm. tackle incredibly well. Right. You don't hit 40 and 50 and 60 yard plays against them, which is the forte for the Buckeyes. So they can keep it close. I've got the game 27-16. I think they'll turn them over because Justin will get frustrated and try to force the ball a few times. But I don't think they'll ever be quote-unquote threatened beyond, say, middle of the third quarter. And if they get any turnovers at all, and I mean at all, on Northwestern, it could balloon to a 41-20 to kind of game, something like that. But, yeah, barring them turning over four or five times, no way they lose. No way. So I don't see Northwestern getting that many points. Ohio State's front seven is ferocious. They may not have a singular name like a Chase Young, but the unit is tremendous. And then also uh, offensively, I don't see the turnovers from Justin Fields because I think they're going to run it down Northwestern's throat with Master Teague and Trey Sermon. And so I I don't even know that Justin Fields is going to have to throw that much. And then – once you get that thing cranked up, you got Olave, and he's going to catch everything comes to him in the play-action game. I like the way Ohio State plays football. I'm a proponent of old school. Run the football, stop the run, and then you can pass it very well off the play-action. The only thing there is Olave is rumored to be the, the guy that got COVID in that wide receiver room has changed. Oh. Now, that's – that's one of the reasons I only picked 27 points. Chris okay. is arguably the best receiver in the country, mm-hmm. not named Devontae Smith. Uh, by right. the way, he's the best player in the country. If he got it and two or three of the other guys are out, timing is everything with wide receiver and quarterback play. Sure I don't is. care what level you're at. Mm-hmm. Then we, we've got a whole different ball game. So we'll see when they come out. Because it's not like anybody in Ohio State's going to chuck over or say, here you go. This is who is and who isn't playing. They have right. no reason to do that. Right. But your point is completely valid. Otherwise, they'll run for 180 yards, you know, and that that's Northwestern when they get in the red zone. They don't have that bulldozer like Teague to run the ball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they'll be kicking field goals, and that's right. not going to be all. Yeah, you, you can't beat an elite team getting three and not six. I agree. So uh, moving on from there, uh, Big Ten championship aside, so we both have Ohio State. Now, um, SEC championship. Now, most people obviously feel like the SEC is the class of college football. You and I have talked about this. Um, you know, so be it. Uh, Bama is clearly the best team in the country. I, I can't argue that, no matter how I feel about them. But they'll be going up against a high-powered Florida team tomorrow. Any chance Dan Mullen is able to do what no other Saban former assistant has been able to do, and that's beat Saban in a uh, in a game when he's coaching someone else. Well, uh, for, first things first, Alabama's offense is now what it used to be in terms of their defense. There, there's a great group of players on Alabama's offense. Every spot, you, is this guy a first round or is he a second round? Mm-hmm. It's the most dynamic offense in college football. The only way you slow them down at all, besides just getting random turnovers, you know, false starts, penalties, stuff like that, you have to shut down their running game. Yep. Najee Harris is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, many coaches will tell you, while you can't stop the perfect pass with run fits, good tackling, good scheme, you can at least slow down a team's running game. They might be able to hold them to field goal. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I watched every single play of the Florida LSU game. I wrote about it from an LSU perspective this past week. When we got to about three, four minutes left in the third quarter, I just done sections. Because I thought LSU was going to get blown out. Sections like, okay, well, this position played pretty well. These are things to build on. I had to stop everything I did and say, well, wait a minute. They're about to beat Florida at Florida with 50-some kids missing not one, not two, but their top three corners. How does that happen? So Florida's head was obviously not where it needed. And that was, Dan Mullen did a terrible job. I was about to say is that that's more there's, let there's down no Florida than kind of. They were 23-point favorites. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. Mm-hmm. You cannot be in that position. They plumped. The defense for Florida is not getting it done. They can pressure the quarterback pretty well, but they're going up against two first-round draft picks at offensive tackle at Alabama. Good luck. And mm-hmm. then number two, their secondary gives up too many big plays, despite having quite a bit of talent. Something is just not right. The fit, the scheme, I, I don't know. The coordinator has a lot of experience, but I don't see them slowing them down very much. And unless something happens where Alabama literally has just implosion, which they have not shown all year, 
how do they not score upper 30s to low 40s at least? I mean, how? You know, I, that's that's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. Florida didn't last week's effort. Why would anybody think otherwise? So, so here's the next I'm question. I'm not taking a closer. Offensively, can Florida keep up with them? We know that Florida's offense is explosive. Can they maybe keep up with Alabama? And in the event they can control the run game, you know, Mac Jones – are we sure that he can beat you without the running game? Oh no, we haven't had you? we haven't had any right. evidence either way. You've got a right. great point. So that's what because I would they, be doing is trying to sell out to stop Najee Harris and that run game and make him prove that he can beat you over the top. Now we know how good Devontae Smith is. You brought up that oh, name. He is a you know legitimate Heisman contender, you know, but if it's just John Mac Mechie Jones, can they problem. get it done? John yeah. Mechie is the player that you need to worry about. He averages 18 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. Is he better than Devontae? No, no. He averages more yards. <laughs> right. Why? He's always because single covered. I was they just about to say, defenses are rolling coverage. of the teams right. in college football, mm-hmm. he's your best receiver. Right. He was their third until Waddle got him. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. So that's the problem. How do you stop them when they don't have one, not two? Every single guy is capable of at least having a cup of coffee in the NFL if their skill spots on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have a backup quarterback and be a top 10 team. That's how much offensive skill talent they have. Right, right. Your, your point is still valid. How does Mac do if it's, say, they've got to grind out the clock, they're up 34-31 with two minutes to go, and he's got to make a third and seven completion. Hey, man, you still got to make the pass. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. You've got to score. My, my problem with Florida getting into that spot is their run game is pedestrian at best. Going mm. into last week's game, they didn't have a running back with 500 yards. At Florida, really? That's that's pretty bad. Their yeah. offensive line can pass block, but run blocking is very poor. And so you're, you're probably if not. If you're in third and eight to, against Alabama, yeah. well, that's that's not that's not that's yeah. not work. Yeah, you, you so can't. the Pitts Pitts is going to be back this week. That's the one thing. Okay, and he's the best tight end I've seen maybe ever as, as a receiver, um, as an all-around player, no, but as a receiver in the flex, he's 6'6", 245, and runs like a freaking receiver. He's ridiculous. They, so, nobody can guard him one-on-one. So I so talked to Zach Goodall about that. Uh, just, just as a quick uh, aside before we move on, I talked to Zach Goodall about that because I did hear his partner on the Locked On Gators podcast say mm-hmm. the same thing that he saw uh, Pitts as – maybe the best tight end he's ever seen in college. And me being a Notre Dame guy, I'm like, uh, we've pumped out some great ones at the tight end position, not even naming those guys. Then you go down to Miami, you got your Jeremy Shockey's or Greg Olson, or even you go to Oklahoma, you got your Jermaine Gresham. So I'm like, uh, let's maybe not. I just don't know if he can block. I'm just talking about as the receiving part. Mm -hmm. As a receiving tight end, there's nobody I've seen anything like him because they use him like a receiver. It's just – at six foot six foot six, legitimately, uh-huh. who do you put on it? Right, I, it's, I don't it's know. Just uh, ridiculous. This could be That's my ridiculous. bias coming through, but I don't know. I I remember Kyle Rudolph being a deadly receiver at the tight end position. Oh yeah, uh, with Brady good. Quinn. So he did. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, they had different guys. But it's just interesting how it, it flows in different directions. So mm-hmm. I hope that Florida can find some semblance of an early running game. Because you have to reduce possessions, not only score, mm. but reduce possessions from Alabama. You're not going to just beat the bejesus out of them up front. Let's be right. realistic. Both right. tackles, again, first-round picks. Mm-hmm. How do you get to the quarterback? Usually you beat guys off the edge. They're not going to do that. They're going to have to play good run defense and then run the ball themselves a little better than normal. And their screen game, that the short passes for Kyle Trask, mm-hmm. that's something they've been tremendous with. If they're the backs well, extension of the running game, we've all heard it. They do it well, but unless they pop one or two of those, and Kadarius Tony, by the way, the best player in college football statistically by pro football focus at making guys miss, hmm. he needs – I mean, everybody in the stadium knows Kadarius is going to get the ball. Mm-hmm. It's not a newsflash. He is a stud. Ironically, he is from Alabama, which this game will mean a lot to Kadarius Tony. Mm. If he does not have a big game, Gators have this, this much of a shot. Zero. That's their oh. guy, and everybody knows it. But nobody can cover him one-on-one either. Kyle's accurate. So third and four, they're going to Tony. Question defensively. Um, when when you're looking at um, trying to beat Bama, 
if you're Florida's defensive coordinator, do you say, and, and I know you have to worry about Devontae Smith, but do you think that you really just go all out and start sending crazy blitzes from spots that Saban isn't thinking of? I mean, you got to do something because, as you said, the O-line has two bookend offensive tackles, so getting to him with four is probably not going to work. What do you see there in terms of maybe some exotic blitz packages? I think they'll run some of that stuff. I mean, Todd Grantham is a very good coordinator from an X and O's perspective, mm -hmm. historically speaking. But then again, what happened last week? Part of that is on Todd as well. They're going to have to do some things. Now, the offense coordinator for Bama is Sarkeesian. Obviously, he was at Washington and USC, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. got in trouble with drinking, got thrown out of there. But he's a tremendous coach. You're not going to throw anything at Steve that he hasn't seen. Mm. The question is, how well does Mac handle it, even if he's getting the ball off? Does he do a good job of taking hits? Mm. Grantham and the Gators did a better job than anybody this year, not surprisingly, of getting to the quarterback. That's what his system does. But, again, they're used to being able to rush four and do that. And then they'll blitz a little bit. I don't think you can just consistently blitz and put Devontae one-on-one because if there's one thing Mac Jones does, it's throw the rainbow deep ball. And nobody's going to mm. outrun Devontae consistently. Right. So you're going to have to really do some things. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get technical. I expect to see a lot of fire zone, drop a DN, bring a six. I mean, huh. like you said, okay. exotic. Yeah. Because what do, you, what do you have to lose? You're not right. going to play man defense mm -hmm. and take Devontae. I mean, that's just ignorant. So you have to do some of that stuff. And Todd's capable. Mm -hmm. It'll be a great chess match. This is, I don't know if you watched any of the games, but ESPN did a few games this year where they put the, the camera up top on one of the alternate channels. I'm kind of watch. If I could watch any game this year with that, mm -hmm. it'd be this game to see what the second, you, a normal TV shot, you don't see the secondary. And that's everything in this game. And that's unfortunate for fans. The wide lens, seeing what the safeties are doing is the most important thing in this game. And, Unfortunately, unless they do a vertical view a lot, mm -hmm. you're not going to see it because if they're not moving a bunch, pre-snap and post-snap, keeping post-snap, Matt Jones will throw for 400 yards. He will okay. smoke them. You cannot give him a pre-snap look, play after play, and keep it that way, mm -hmm. or it's going to be first and 10, first and 10, first and 10, and the, the scoreboard will catch on fire from them scoring. He, he's too accurate, and he's, again, John Mechie was their third receiver he's going to play in the NFL. How hard is it at that point? That's, that's how much talent they have. And you can make the argument that they also have the best running back in college football. So right. okay, I like so, Alabama because of that. And I, I like Alabama as well. I don't think that Florida is going to be able to, to beat them. But let's look at this game now from a college football playoff perspective. Now, obviously, Alabama is number one. We both think they'll win. They'll remain number one. Okay, that's fine. If they lose, number one, how far do you think they drop? And what does that do to the rest of the college football playoff field? Well, two things. Number one, they wouldn't go any lower than number four, but there's a chance right. they may not go lower than three. If Notre Dame beats Clemson or what, depending on how the score goes, either way, they may not go lower than three. The respect that Alabama gets from the media, the committee, et cetera, is deserved. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say. But, like, if Notre Dame moves up to one – uh, and Ohio State, like we both predict, wins. maybe they go there and A&M goes to four. I, I have no idea. But can you imagine them being lower than the team they smoked? You know, Alabama's not going to be lower than A&M. Mm. They, they beat the crap out of them. Right. They did. Right. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I would imagine three. Um, even if Clemson beats Notre Dame, you just replace Notre Dame with Clemson and they, you know – I don't see how they're going to really go any lower than that. But at the same time, this is the college football committee. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what. If, if you're I'm using Notre rational. Dame, right. If, if you're <laughs> Notre Dame, and we'll, we'll get to them in a second, you better be careful and have in the back of your mind that if you lose this game to Clemson, and I do have – I'm a very lead here. I do have Clemson winning it close because it's just that hard to beat a team that good twice in the same season. But yeah. – um, if you lose to Clemson, you got to have it in the back of your mind that, okay, now we've got to deal with Bama in the semifinal. So that may be more incentive for Notre Dame to go out there and play the game of their life again to try and beat uh, Clemson. Uh, that's understandable. But, um, Absolutely. Yeah. You, so, you want to avoid them as long as possible. Yes. Yes, you do. So with that said, let's get to it. ACC championship game. 
Notre Dame and Clemson, the rematch of the best game of the year. And Notre Dame, and this is not me being biased, this is a fact, with that win over Clemson when Clemson was number one and Notre Dame was number four, that's the best win of this college football season. And um, as a side note to all those people who want to say Notre Dame is irrelevant, this game is being projected to have the best numbers of any ACC game that's been televised ever. And it may outperform every other Big Ten championship game. So, you know, Notre Dame's irrelevant. Yeah, if you think so. (laughs) But um, where are you on this ACC championship game? Obviously, uh, Mike Jones, um, James Skalski, a number of other defensive uh, starters are back. For Clemson, of course, uh, the big name, Trevor Lawrence, the starting quarterback, who's presumably number one pick in the draft. I'd take Justin Fields. That's me. That's a story for another day. But um, all these guys are going to be back. Notre Dame has a heck of a task on its hands. Where are you with this game? Uh, two things. Number one, like you, it's, I think your point is very good. Really hard to beat a good team twice, especially you're playing them just over a month apart. It's kind of weird, to be honest. And it's not even out of the realm. I doubt the committee would do this because it'd be uh, they could technically play again. I thought about that. I mean, it's, <laughs> I thought it's, about that. Yeah. I mean, that, it's just the way the numbers work out. But the, let's it is. But I don't know if Clemson with two losses to the same team hits in. Just, that would be iffy. Even though they're probably still one of the best four teams in the country, you probably could still make that well, argument. There's no way there's you're going to tell me A and M or even Florida is better than Clemson. You're not. We're going. If Notre Dame beat Clemson, they drop to four. Notre Dame goes to one. You know, that's possible. Alabama only goes to three. Or Notre Dame and Alabama. You know, I mean, it's Alabama would have to get beat by four. That's right. Right. Which is very unlikely. But right. otherwise, yeah, it could happen. But the key here is, is the following. Notre Dame completely shut down Clemson's running game. Like we were talking about Florida against Alabama, Notre Dame destroyed Clemson up front. Unlike Alabama, Clemson's interior offensive line, we're not talking about the tackles. They got the right. one kid from Ohio, that junior, who I expect to, to leave after this year. Very good football player. They don't run the ball inside very much because, quite frankly, those guys have underperformed. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame's beat tackles ate them for lunch. Mm-hmm. They averaged one yard per carry when Travis had the ball. Travis Etienne. Yep. That is not on Travis because he's an NFL player. That is on the offensive line. That position has to play better, but it's not like Notre Dame's players changed. So why would I assume that it's really going to be any different? Number two, even if you do have Trevor Lawrence, who's absolutely incredible and I love watching him play, mm-hmm. if you're in third and five, third and six all day, life is not fun. Right. Notre Dame is historically good since 2017 of not giving plays over the top. Mm-hmm. A couple of games they did were against Clemson right. and against North Carolina. What was the key in that? Tariq Bracey was the guy getting smoked. Mm-hmm. He's out of the lineup now. He's been replaced. When he came out of the game against North Carolina, the Tar Heels scored touchdowns in their first two drives. They scored three more points the rest of the game. That's the team that just put up 700-plus yards of offense against Miami. Notre Dame's defense is legit. You could make the argument they're the best all-around defense in the country. Conservatively, they're top five from a balance mm-hmm. standpoint. Mm-hmm. They're not the deepest team. But especially in the secondary, but the guys that play make plays. Clarence Lewis is the freshman, for those of you that yep. don't know. Wasn't super highly recruited, really, but he was a long kid, very athletic, played at a smaller program, modern day in New Jersey. He's been their savior at corner. How often do you see a freshman be a savior at corner? It, it doesn't happen hardly anywhere. Mm-hmm. But he's been that guy. And then their front seven gets after. They can rush four, move guys around, do a few different things and get pressure. If they consistently do a good job, I don't expect them to hold Travis to one yard to carry again. But if they're in third and five and longer, Clemson's in trouble. Everybody says, well, they're going to run. But they're also going to run their quarterback now. DJ Uliangle, tremendous passer, but he's not really Mm -hmm. a runner. Totally get that. Travis is going to get some help because Trevor Lawrence has some wheels. Mm -hmm. If Notre Dame can slow him down, because he does a tremendous job knowing when to pull or when not to pull, with the readout. He's tremendous at it because he's a big six six white kid. A lot of people don't give him credit. He can scoot and he knows what to do. He's great in the red zone. I'll be interested to see what cat and mouse game they use with Jeremiah Owusu Koromora and him. They're gonna spy him in some capacity. That was they're, they're not they're not gonna do it every play. When do you do it? 
that was my question Again, coming like, up. Um, they you use... gotta mix. You gotta mix it. You right. can't do anything consistent against him, or he will annihilate you. Right, and that was right. my question um, in terms of uh, what you thought Notre Dame would be able to do in terms of spying uh, Clever Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence, um, in the They'll run do game. They'll it because... with two or three, two or three different guys. Okay, Absolutely. because Owusu Koromo was all over the field. He was in the backfield a lot in terms of going after Etn. He was rushing the passer. He he got that. Right. Uh, he broke up that pitch and took it in and. With a guy like Lawrence, who, as you mentioned, is much more mobile than Yui Ungalale. Oh, absolutely. They're not going to be able to be quite as aggressive. You go up the field, then, as Shannon Sharp likes to say, he'll jump out the window on you and he'll be gone. You know, and it takes him two or three strides at 6'6 six, six to get going and op open up those legs. So uh, I'm curious to see what type of adjustments Clark Lee is going to be able to make in terms of dealing with his mobility and his ability, as you said, to uh you know to pull it on the on that uh, read option and take off the key there is how and when jeremiah is the only linebacker in college football he is a linebacker i know they call it a hybrid spot or whatever they can line up against a slot receiver that's four or five and cover it mm -hmm. he's it notre dame doesn't have to change their personnel package on third and 11. Mm -hmm. name another team that does it. it's, it's insane right that's why they're so versatile and i love clark lee mm -hmm. But one of the reasons his defense was so good last year and this year, Owusu is by far, in my opinion, the best defensive player in college football, bar none, because he changes your entire package or not, just based on what you want to do. He can be your edge rusher. Mm -hmm. He can be your slot corner at 6'1", 215, and be a linebacker that's a headhunter. And he can also be a guy, go moving to like an inside kind of position, weak side, mm -hmm. linebacker. And he's dominant anywhere he goes. Right. I've never seen a guy like that at Notre Dame that was that versatile. Mm -hmm. Jalen Smith, I thought, was as good or better. I would, like yeah, I would play. But he played one spot. Mm -hmm. This guy literally plays all over the place, and he does it very, very well. Right. It's not fun playing against those guys because when they're in one spot, you can run away, you can do different, you can double. When he's in the slot, maybe he blitzes, maybe he covers man, maybe he plays up. They do a tremendous job just naturally of doing that. That allows who I think will be the spy more often, and that's Drew White, the middle mm -hmm. linebacker. Inside the tackle box, Drew is very good. He's not going to dominate in pass coverage. He gets his hand on the ball here and there. Right. But if Trevor runs, he's going to feel it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. How much do they want to run it? Here's a little stat for you. They've only run him, and I know he hasn't played as many games this year, but they've only run him about half as much this year as they did last year. Hmm. I'm sure part of it is off the record, and they'll never admit to it. It's because of the draft. They mm -hmm. don't want him getting hit. And I don't blame him and or them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in this kind of game, you play Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, somebody like that, you better have the gloves off. Right. Because third down and three, do, you know, DJ was good, but you got to throw it. But mm -hmm. Trevor, he can run. Is he willing to really take, take a bang on these shoulders? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Because if he's not, they're going to struggle to run the ball. And he's not going to just throw the ball all over the place, especially, again, Clarence Lewis, very important player in this game. If they're not getting beat deep and they got to hit short passes, we'll see different different kind of game because Notre Dame will give you five yards all day and make mm -hmm. you get a That's just what their defense does. Right. I'll be interested. On, on the other side it is you've got Davis back at nose guard you got Skalski who That's, I still think is kind of banged up I don't think I he's 100% either he's a yeah. good player, but I still think this is going to happen I still think they're going to come right at him mm -hmm. and they're going to play action I mean that Notre Dame's offense has grown even since the Clemson game it's kind yeah, of it a weird transformation Javon McKinley well has become a real threat down oh, down the field yeah he's becoming he one of the bigger downfield threats in college football yeah. If you'd have told me that after the Louisville game, I would have said seek help, mm -hmm. drug therapy, something like that, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. But, I mean, seriously, you, you hit it. He's all of a sudden not only getting down the field and making plays, he's making those contested catches that just suck the life out of you mm -hmm. if you're a defensive team. I mean, it, it's nothing worse than having a guy take the ball off your head. And he's done that multiple times, and he did it against Clemson. The other thing is, if you look back at the first game, when Notre Dame got in the red zone, they left 15 points on the, on the board. Field. Yep. You can't do that. I mean, there's stud tight end who might be their best tight end ever before he leaves. Mm -hmm. Michael Mayer had a false start and a drop touchdown. Yeah. That can't happen. 
Yeah. I mean, it just can't happen. No. But it did. And then, of course, Ian fumbled the ball like the four. I don't think he was going to score on that play. But even oh, he was going to score. First down. He was getting yeah. tackled. But he, he would have been first and goal with the two. With that offensive line, mm. they're going to punch it. Right. You know, everybody's saying, well, Clemson left points on the board. They did. But Notre Dame left a bunch, too. Mm. That game was not very well played in the red zone by either team. I agree. We'll see how that goes now. But Notre Dame's offense, I also think they may not have to score as much in the red zone. Some 40-yard to 30-yard type, type shots and or screen plays. Different guys mm. can make plays for you. Who's it going to be? Mm. I don't know. But Notre Dame's mm. going to come up with something. Avery Davis might be another one. They find different ways to get guys in, in the screen game, et cetera. Tommy Reese is a good coordinator. He's, he's blowing me away as a freshman, basically, as a coordinator. It's his first full year. He's done a good job. And it's not as hard when you have that offensive line. Right. I know that Josh Lugg's probably going to be the center. That is a problem to me. I don't think he's a fit at center. But he's still 6'6", 6'7", 320 pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's not a lot of fun to go up against and bang heads either. I'll be curious to see what games Clemson runs right at Josh mm-hmm. because that's what they always do. They try to do things in the A-gap. That's their business. They make it happen. And now they've got an NFL-level nose guard back who did not play in game number one. Mm-hmm. Davis, he's, he's a really good player. Tyler Davis, he's a great player. I'll be curious to see Clemson just, you know what, let's make them earn their way down the field if they keep coming out. And Venables usually is, I'm going to take my lumps and I'm going to blitz, but he's a great coordinator. Nothing would shock me with him, and I'm not going to really question him. His mm-hmm. success rate's high, but I think Notre Dame will be able to bludgeon them again. It's They're not set up for that because nobody else in the ACC does it. There's no way mm-hmm. to prepare for that. Okay. It's not option football, but you're not going to practice one-on-one Oklahoma drill, and nine on eleven drill and stuff like that at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Good luck. I mean, they can almost tell you it's outside outside zone coming, but you've got three hundred ten pounds, you know, coming at you at center, etc. Mm-hmm. And, and he might be the weakest link. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. I have Notre Dame winning thirty five thirty one. Wow. And it's because I think their ability to make plays in the red zone with the run game is going to be better than Clemson. Okay. Just running downhill. Mm-hmm. And I also think the other part is nobody's picking them. After mm-hmm. a while, you just get tired of hearing it, and you just tunnel vision. It, it happens. So before we uh, go over to the other side, you've also covered Clemson um, extensively. So we're going to talk uh, about them defensively because I think that's that's something so interesting in terms of Brent Venables being one of the best defensive minds, if not the best in college football. But before we get to that, oh, quick question. Yeah. Notre Dame's fastest offensive player, Braden Lindsay, is he playing tomorrow? To my knowledge, yes. And okay. he's the wild card. I didn't bring him up because – Yeah, I was about to ask. I, if I don't you're know if Tommy Reese, don't you bring him in, even if it's to take some of that coverage away from some of the other guys as a decoy. Maybe you don't the necessarily throw it to him, but you you got to use that to try and, uh, you know, take some attention in terms of secondary, right? Yes and no. Uh, how many plays is going to depend on his conditioning and all that, but he might mm-hmm. play 15, 18 snaps. Mm-hmm. The problem with Lindsay is he's not a blocker. They pride themselves on being very good with the receivers mm-hmm. and the tight ends out in space. Right. Making, he, like Mayer, he doesn't have to block again until he turns pro. That guy's going to play in the NFL. <laughs> right. when you, I mean, he's, he's, he's freakish. It's, it's mm-hmm. not normal. But when you see a screen or a run go to the outside, he really gets after it. That's mm-hmm. just the mentality of the tight ends and the receivers. Lindsay's just not a very big guy. I don't know how much they're going to like that, but if you're going to put him in there to run a fake on a jet sweep, then throw a pass, or you're going to run Ian on it, you know, there's a lot of ways you can use him, as you said, as a decoy. Mm-hmm. He has not caught a bomb this year, unless I'm forgetting something. And it's just, I don't think so. The guy can't stay healthy. He can't stay right. healthy. Right. Are they going to depend on him for one play in this game? It's, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. I agree with it, but it's not like, anybody's going to be surprised in the orange shirts on the sidelines when he mm. comes in the game. Everybody knows that guy could have went to the Olympics if he just would have concentrated on track. Mm-hmm. So they're going to know. But then again, that also backs up the safeties. There's different ways to look at it. it, it, it that's why I like football. It is so complex because you've got 11 on that side, 11 mm. on this side, all moving before and after snap. And Lindsay can change a game. Right. If he gets a half step on you, you can mm-hmm. walk to the sidelines. It's over. Right. It's, it's six. Right. 
I mean, he's legitimately a guy that could have went to the Olympics if he'd have kept working and just said, to heck with football. He's one of those guys, but he just can't stay healthy. They can get one play out of him again. That's the kind of thing that changes a big game. Gotcha. And, and it, it, it's why you're, you're right. They have to at least look at it. Whether or not it comes to fruition, mm-hmm. that's why you watch the game. Okay, so let's talk quickly. Um, let's talk quickly about what type of adjustments you see from Brent Venables. He's not going to do the same thing. As we mentioned, he's got some of his key defensive cogs back. Uh, what do you see from him, and how do you see that affecting what uh, Tommy Reese is going to do from the offensive side for Notre Dame? I think Venables will use – uh, a couple of different types of blitzes. He'll do some more corner blitzes from the boundary. But I also think that Mike Jones, the linebacker, is kind of their rover, if you will. Uh, he's a kid that I knew when he was at IMG. Good kid. He's a guy I expect to see come hard. And he's, he's a super, super high energy get after your guy. You can get under his skin pretty easy. I imagine some of the Notre Dame linemen will try to talk some trash to him because mm. you can get in his head. Mm. But that's the key. They're going to use overload blitz. I don't know if they'll do both sides, but Mike will be a big part of it. If you see Clemson line up, pay particular attention to number six. Very talented. He's very athletic. He's from a football family. He loves Brent Venables. That's why he picked Clemson. And it's a guy that, quite frankly, is just not going to be outdone in terms of effort. If he gets his butt kicked two plays in a row, he'll, he'll forget it. He'll go for it. He's a guy Venables can count on. He's, he's perfect for Clemson's scheme. Mm-hmm. He's a lot like Jeremiah Wusu-Kormoa. He's good in space. He can cover. But I expect to see him attack downhill a lot. They didn't have him. And his replacement wasn't anywhere near as good as him. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame took advantage of him in the last game. Mm-hmm. No question. Overload you... blitz. Safety linebacker off the edge. How does Notre Dame adjust? You don't. That's where those turnovers can happen. Are you looking for Clemson middle linebacker James Skalski, who is the quarterback of the defense for – for, for the Tigers, are you looking for him to do a lot of spying on Ian Book, who really hurt them with his legs in the first game? That's possible. I don't know how they'll use him because I'm not convinced he's even remotely healthy. Mm. If you remember back to Virginia Tech game, he played in the first series and he, he left. <laughs> in a halftime, they took his pads off. Mm. Is it, they're not, again, they're not going to tell anybody anything. Right. But he missed like four games. I mean, he had a serious injury. I can't remember if it was his groin injury or whatever. Whatever it was, it was elongated play, you know. For, for like a month. Guys that are nuts about football, like James Skalski, don't sit out very often. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, A, what kind of condition he's in. His cardio is not going to be very good. And number two, he's not the greatest athlete in the world. I'm not saying Ian is Michael Vick, but I don't know if that's who I'd want spying. They might use Jones in, in a, some sense, kind of like the Irish use Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Okay. Because I don't think he's going to match up very well with him. And they might bring the safety in the box. And, and again, as you noted, Venables is tremendous at bringing guys down and moving pieces, and his mm-hmm. players respond well to it. He may be a part of that, but I doubt he's the only guy. They'll switch that up. Jones will be a key part, but I look for the safeties for Clemson to be a part of it as well. Okay, great. So uh, why don't you give us that? Uh, give us your pick again, final score, and who you think is going to win this game? I like the Irish 35-31 to 31 over Clemson. I didn't pick a score, but uh, as I mentioned, I, I see Clemson uh, winning this game. I, I don't believe that uh, I don't believe that they'll uh, that Notre Dame is going to be able to beat a team this good twice in the same season. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I see Clemson winning this game close one possession. Well, I could see that. I mean, if you picked Clemson, I <laughs> there's no reason to be disappointed with that. That's a great football team. Again, I just think Notre Dame's ability to run the ball in the red zone will be much better than Clemson's. Out of all the units from the teams that are currently ranked in the top four, an offensive line, a secondary, or whatever, I think the weakest unit for any team, offense or defense, in the top four is Clemson's offensive line. And that's despite the fact that they can pass protect. Their run blocking stinks. Flat out stinks. And you're playing against Notre Dame, who is top five in the nation, I believe, right now. Well, I think it's number three, something like that, on third downs. Mm-hmm. How are you going to do against Notre Dame, against Florida State even? It's teams like that that, you know, have defensive presence up front. Not easy. That's why they struggled in the first game. I mean, Clemson was 4-15 in the first game yep. on third downs. And it's because they were in third down and six. I mean, it's just not where – I don't care who your quarterback is. That's not easy. 
So if they do well running the ball, they'll beat Notre Dame because they have the best quarterback in college football, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just don't see how their offensive line is suddenly going to move the chains where they're getting four and five yards on first down. I just don't. That's my opinion. Before before I let you get out of here, the last thing I want to talk to you about is we're we're hearing rumblings of – playoff expansion, eight teams, 16, whatever it may be. I, I think it'll probably be eight. Um, and I heard one one guy say that part of the reason for that is COVID more than anything, not necessarily competition-based, but to try and recoup some of that money that was lost this year. It's been a lot of money oh, lost. Awesome. And so expanding the playoff next year or the year after would really help bring a lot of that back. So my question is, number one for you, how do you feel about playoff expansion? And number two, do you think that the expansion should come with, we've mentioned it a few times, set criteria on what makes the playoff? And before I let you go, I believe I've been a proponent of an 18 playoff. I'm fine with it, but I want it with criteria. I want transparency because what we're going to end up seeing is the same thing. And instead of trying to get two SEC teams in every year, the committee is going to be pushing for three or four. Right. And it's ridiculous because – it's not always to say that it's guaranteed that every SEC team is going to be better than every power five team or a group of five team. So I'm saying if you expand it to eight, I want all five conference champs, um, two at larges and group of five best team. That's fair. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into the politics of all that, but I mean, I have no problem with the eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been around enough athletic people at the college level and coaches like it, dislike it or not. The biggest problem with college football is something that has nothing to do with it directly. And that's title nine, meaning you got to pay for all the other sports. Mm. And that's what they're talking about with this money. Mm-hmm. These schools had to play. Part of them had to play. Whether they keep the other programs alive. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. These states are, are, a lot of these states are bankrupt. Right. You know, like LSU, the state of Louisiana is bankrupt. Yep. And that's a state institution. They need the Tigers to play. That's just reality. It's not fun. You know what? That's funny. If you go back, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but one of my earlier podcasts around the beginning of the season when you had these conferences deciding if they were going to play or not and the SEC was adamant adamant about it from the beginning, I said, of course they're adamant about it. You know, many of the poorest states in the country, unfortunately, are in that conference. Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas. These are states where a great deal of revenue for the state itself is generated from what happens on Saturday afternoons. It can't go a year without college football. Yeah. Think about the restaurant and the bar that's two blocks Mm -hmm. from like where South Carolina plays. They sell out every single game. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. restaurant owner needs that game to happen. You know, that's just the way it is. Correct. It's a trickle down effect. That's not Mm -hmm. anything new. Right. So you're right. Mm -hmm. So to get to your point, I'm okay with the eight because it will help money. Right. And it is partially COVID. It helps Title Nine and all that. Mm-hmm. How you do it, you're never going to make everybody happy. You're just not. We both live mm-hmm. in Florida. We both know how the people down here feel. If it doesn't happen in Dixie, they don't care. <laughs> right. They just don't. Right. You know, it's just that's part of the culture. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're not going to tell me a group of five team is better than like Auburn or something most years. There's no way to make it perfect. <laughs> Again, it's going to depend on the team. I think let's take this year. Um, other than Alabama for sure, obviously, and maybe Florida, I think Cincinnati could probably play with every other team in the SEC this year. Cincinnati, so, so is that's the why best I'm not really right. That's yeah, I'm they, not I'm not the time. guy that every single year is got SEC. Every team in the SEC is better than every group of five team. No, because you got some years Boise State can hang with whoever. I think they beat Auburn in the. Uh, in the Chick-fil-A opener a couple of years ago. Um, a couple of years ago, obviously, we saw in the Peach Bowl, we saw that uh, 12-0 and or 13-0 and uh, uh, UCF team beat Auburn, and that's an Auburn team that beat Georgia and Alabama in successive weeks in the SEC. You know, so I'm, I'm not the guy that's drinking the SEC Kool-Aid. Okay, great, a lot of great players. They got great teams. Okay, but that doesn't mean year in, year out, every team in the conference is better than everyone else. I'm not buying it. Yeah, the only problem with that is you're talking about a scenario where you're you're setting the criteria, and they're not a they're not going to do it. Right, what you said, they're going to leave themselves leeway. Mm -hmm. But the the problem is a lot of the teams that are group of five Mm -hmm. are not going to bring in the television ratings. 
That's what really no, comes. It's no, advertising. Advertisers is are the bottom line. Okay. Right. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody. That's why, like, you and I are Notre Dame fans. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame will get bowl games because not only do they bring in a lot of fans, there are a lot of fans mm-hmm. with this. Yep. It's not just an advertiser. It's Mercedes. It's high investments. It's the, they can pay. They can get them to pay more. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. That's never changing. That's so a great point. It, it's just the politics of college football is mm-hmm. still and always will be one word, and that's money. Never changing. Yep. So I don't have a problem if they do a group of five, but most years that team would get – I mean, can you imagine most teams playing Alabama this year after the eighth seed? They would get so, annihilated. So that's yeah, but I don't, I don't have a problem with it because uh, I saw a graphic the other day, and even though it's been a Power Five Invitational since its inception – there's been a ton of blowouts in the semifinals of these um, of these games, of whether it's, it's been crazy. Clemson blowing out Notre Dame or or uh, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma getting blown out by LSU or or Alabama or you know or um, yeah, there's Clemson usually by the end of the year there's about yeah. there's usually about two teams that are just absolutely for whatever reason right. But I mean, you you could see a sixty-three to three game. In a college well, football playoff. Well, I mean, we saw a 38 nothing against Michigan State that had the number one defense in the country. They went and played Bama and got destroyed. Yeah. They did not score. Yeah. I think Alabama is still scoring in that game right now. <laughs> you know, that was like three years ago. So I don't I don't buy into it. If a Power 5 team can get smoked, let a group of five team have an opportunity because basically, and I get the money argument, but what you're saying to me is the games don't matter. What are they playing for if not a real legitimate opportunity to try and go for the chip? Whether or not they get there and get smoked, fine. But they still earn the opportunity to go there and get smoked if indeed they've earned it, right? Well, that's fine. I mean, it's just you're never going to convince certain fans of that. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. even though that's all legitimate, you're talking football, mm-hmm. I'm talking money, and that's that's right. how the decisions are made. Right. So I'd, I I think there's about a 1% chance there's a group of five guarantee. That's just my opinion because they won't bring in the same revenue from the advertisers. They just Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to let you go on that, Brian. Again, great football talk. Um, always love to, to bring you in and talk college football, man. I appreciate it. Before you go, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at FBScout underscore Florida. That's on Twitter at FBScout underscore, twi- uh, underscore uh, Florida. Um, I write for several of the sites on Sports Illustrated, SI All-American, All Gators, different ones, but with recruiting going on right now, I'm doing a lot of backstory stuff or trying to help sites. And uh, this was a very busy week. It was interesting with COVID and everything with signing day. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot of fun to see. It's still unfolding. Some of these kids never visited places and they're signing letters of intent. So right. welcome to 2020. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Uh, safe and happy holidays to you and yours. All right. Same to you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. All right. Thanks. Have a good one.